Welcome to Deal Closers with Annette Tali, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here is your host, Annette Tali. Welcome to another episode of Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Tali, and today I have Sandra Benerate. Did I say it correctly? You said it correctly. <laughs> Welcome, Sandra. Thank you. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Sandra. She is one half of a husband-wife team specializing in asset management, property management, and construction and renovation. With over 25 years of experience in construction and renovation, Sandra has been at the forefront of single-family and commercial renovations. Sandra, former COO of a regional property management company, oversaw the operations, acquisition, and sales of over 7,000 units in Gulf South for over 17 years. A portfolio valued over 262 million and a staff over 300 people. Wow. Seeing a need in the industry, Sandra, Sandra from their most recent adventure, strategic property consulting. With her skill and knowledge, she plans to bring her experience to new levels and assist others in their multifamily asset purchases. Wow, Sandra, that's impressive. I'm so excited to have women that are killing it in real estate on the show. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit, how did you get into real estate? It was by happenstance. I, um, I had started in construction at uh, a very young age, started a construction company with my ex-husband, and uh, we traveled all over the, the country remodeling hotels. We uh, stopped doing that when the children were old enough to go to school, and we had a construction company locally. Uh, my husband and I divorced, and I needed to find a job. And since I had construction knowledge, I started with this apartment management company because they were in a, uh, a, a development phase. And so I was the construction liaison helping uh, coordinate materials and projects between the field staff and the office staff. And it grew from there. Wow, amazing. So today is going to be a special edition of Deal Closers because we're going to be talking about property management and asset management. And, you know, Sandra being an expert, she's going to share with us all her knowledge about how to pick your property management team when you get into a new asset because you, do, you want to make sure that you pick the right team. So Sandra, tell us a little bit about that. Well, for me, the first thing you need to do is you have to have a, a good reference. You need to do research. You need to interview. You need to find a good fit for you. Not every management team is going to be the proper fit for your property. Do you have a class C property? Then you don't want a class A manager. You need a class C. You need someone who is familiar with your asset. Someone who, do you have a, a an asset that has a very strong Hispanic component. Well, then you need someone who is also fluent in Spanish. You need someone who can, can work and communicate with your tenants. So to properly interview, properly vet, get good recommendations, 
take your time. Don't jump into a relationship with a management company that you will regret later. And just uh, the, the next thing is to, to see what their contract entails. So if you have a good property management company, how long is that contract good for? What, uh, what uh, fail-safe items do you have in place? Or just the opposite. If they end up being a nightmare, how can I get rid of them quickly and easily? You, okay, but you never but let, me, let me back up a little bit. I'm sorry to interrupt, but let me sure. back up a little bit. So, you know, how do you get these references? You can get, you know, somebody to recommend some, you know, a management team, but how do you vet, you know, all the, all the things that you listed that, you know, are good for your management? You were talking about the size, the type of management that they do. So, and then that you want to interview them. So how is this process? So for me, um, the best results I've seen is through personal references, speak to other, other property owners in the area, see uh, the local to uh, go to your local community, go to your local area with properties surrounding you that are like, like in kind and see who their management company is. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend the same management company as your next door neighbor because then you're competing against yourself. You, you don't want, they're going to pick whoever is the easiest to move in because of course their revenue is based on revenue, um, rents, <laughs> apartment rents. And so you don't want them competing against themselves over you. But um, like I said, personal reference, local apartment association, see who is in the area and an interview it's it's a lot of legwork especially if you're new to a to a location new to an uh a vicinity you're gonna have to rely heavily on personal recommendation and what type of questions would you ask when you are talking to a property management company uh when you're in the interview well there's um i've come up with 30 questions i won't go through all 30 but the top is um how long have you been in business uh, what type of assets do you currently manage? What size staff do you have? What dedication of staff will you offer me? What is your fee? What is, is there a fee for uh, new leases and renewals? Because some management companies take a fee plus a portion of each lease that they generate. Um, what reporting can I expect from you? How do you handle bills? How do you handle, um, can I turn to you for handling some of the uh, bank disbursements? Are you, are you a management company that also handles with the value add, the construction component? Will you do bank draws? Will you, uh, are you committed to doing weekly or bi-weekly phone calls with status updates? You have to know where they stand with you and where you are as a property owner and a property manager. Do you already have an asset management component of your team? And then they can handle some of the property management side. You as the owner should own the, the, the person who is finding the deals and finding the sponsorship it is not necessarily the person who should also be overseeing the direct day-to-day -day operations of the asset. They're, then they're too diluted. You, you need to delegate that. Um, 
But and also, like all these items that you're listing, they have a cost too, like depending on what you want. If you want like a weekly call, it's going to be more expensive than, than if you're expecting just a monthly report, right? Exactly. So you have to be conscientious that, you know, depending on what you want, the price is going to change because it's more work for the property management company. Yes. And this is something that nobody likes to hear, but I'm going to tell you as a property management, as working for a property management company, if you come in and you're new in the city and you've got 75 or 100 units, I'm not going to give you my best staff when I've got somebody else who's got three and 4,000 units. That's where the management company is making their bread and butter. So you have to pay more attention when you are, you know, a small fish, a little small fry hanging out that they're going to give you the same attention to detail. Because I can tell you, they, they typically don't. They're not gonna put as much effort in a 100 unit complex as they would with somebody who's got a three, 4,000 unit portfolio. Correct. So, and then, then you need to look for a company that is the size where you are gonna be like mid-sized to them or the exactly. one, so they are gonna pay more attention to you. Yeah, you don't want to get lost in the shuffle of a very large management company who just took you in because, ah, we'll add another 100 units. But you end up being their, their training exercise. You end up being where they send their new manager trainees and the new maintenance trainees. And that's costing you money. That's not costing them money. So make sure that you, what you have is a good fit, that the management, the management company and the ownership have to be a good fit. And they have to be able to play against each other because it does not matter how good the asset is and what a value it is and how inexpensive you're able to get it and how greatly you can increase rents. If you do not have a management company that will grow, that will increase the rents, that will rent the units you have and collect the money you have, you'll fail in seven, eight months. Absolutely. Um, I had even a case where my mother-in-law hired this management company and they, I think they had three different people in like a period of like two months to three months and they kept charging him, her um, month rent to place in these people that they, they were living. And I was like, you know, that doesn't make sense. If they are placing no. somebody and it's not lasting a month, you need to fire them. Like they, you shouldn't be paying a commission for this. It's insane. Yeah. What? This is a, a great saying that I was told was, you know, I've been in business for a very long time. I don't need the practice. I know how to run my business. And you should never get in a partnership with somebody who is practicing on you. They need to know how to run their business. If you can't have consistency and continuity between the management and the ownership, it's destined to fail. Absolutely. All right, so let's get back to the second, <laughs> the second items you were talking about, and I'm sorry for the interruption. Oh, no, I, I tend to uh, rattle on with thoughts, with processes. So something else, I've got notes because, you know, as I get older, the brain <laughs> fries. But um, are you insured? You need to make sure that they are insured. Liability insurance with workers' comp insurance, that's not, that's not your responsibility. That's their responsibility. Mm -hmm. How many properties and doors do you manage and how many employees do you have that manage those assets? You want to make sure that they're not trying to uh, manage too many doors with not enough staff because, again, you will fall short. 
like I talked about before, what types of properties do you manage? Make sure that it's, it's a good fit. It's whatever, a similar asset to what you have is what they're accustomed to managing. And there's nothing wrong with saying I'm a class C management because you know what? They have to fight more. Those are the tenacious managers. They should be proud to say, hey, I'm a C or a B minus property because that's, that's where your money's going to be and that's where you're going to get the best grit of manager. A class A property, anybody could walk in and rent from the Taj Mahal. You know, when you're trying to, to sell something that's a, a little ugly with a new coat of paint, that shows the grit of the manager. So is there, is there um, a ratio between how many doors and how many people do you have? That can, you know, like when you ask how many doors are you managing, how do you know that's too much for them? Well, the rule of of thumb that we had was if you had over 50 units, then you need to have a manager assigned to that. It couldn't be one manager handling um, three, 400 units at different properties. If it's all on, so if you've got a 400 unit, apartment complex. You need to have one property manager. You need to have at least two leasing agents. You need to have at least four maintenance. Our rule of thumb was one maintenance man for every 75 units, but we did our own in-house turns, housekeeping, cleaning. We did a lot of in-house work. We didn't outsource something so it would depend on what the management company does and that's another question for the management company what is expected of the maintenance and what do you outsource if the management company automatically outsources all of your turnovers all of your painting your housekeeping basic repairs that's a higher cost to you because that comes out of your operating budget so what what systems do they have have in place for maintenance, for turns, and for improvements? That's, that's a very important question. Um, Absolutely. Uh, definitely know what the management fee, depending on the size of the property, it can be, and how it's broken down. I've seen it to where there's a, a low fee, but the ownership is responsible for directly paying the staff. So it's a for 5% management fee, but the ownership pays for the payroll. Then there's 10% and the management company does everything themselves. They, they handle the payroll. They handle the cost associated with that. They handle everything and then they bill back. So the more the management company takes on as a responsibility, the more the fee will be. So it's just where you are in your comfort level and where you are in your um, underwriting that makes sense. Um, Something that is very important. What are your methods of advertising? What is your marketing component? Will I be associated with a website associated with your management team so I get another platform of exposure? Are you only using Facebook? Are you doing flyers? Are you doing something through the apartment association? What is their method of advertising and what is the average cost for that? You want to know that you're getting the best bang for your buck and you don't want to be subsidizing the management company's marketing. 
you want to be subsidizing your marketing. So what, what component of their platform can you utilize? How can it be shared? And what are you doing? And how can I verify that it's done correctly? Um, management companies will immediately throw you into apartment.com and Zillow and Hotpads and a, a lot of different platforms. And each of those costs money. Is that what makes sense for your local market? See how they do it. They're going to go whatever's the easiest for them. See how they market, see how you market, and see if you can come to an agreement. The management company, just because they're local, doesn't have all the answers. You have to be knowledgeable as an owner to know what is best for your property. Oh, awesome. And um, is there any platform that you consider that is better for, to get better tenants? Um, it depends on the nature of the property. So for C and B tenants um, and the age and demographic. So millennials are all online with an app. They want to be able to find it on their phone and have instant gratification. They want to know instantly that if they push a button, they can see a floor plan, they can see pictures, and they can apply online. So you, you are more likely to have to utilize like an apartment.com or um, hot pads was very popular. I don't know if it still is. Uh, those kind of applications. Some, if it's a class C or class B property, I have tremendous results with Facebook Marketplace. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because <laughs> I love it. You know, it's yeah. free. You know, exactly. you can check it from your phone. You can see their profile, their exactly. friends, their family, how they speak how they write, what they did last weekend. You know, sometimes exactly. they have selfies on their, on their rooms and you can see the mess. You can see how they keep their house with pictures that you can just look all for free. Exactly. And that's all. It's, you know, it's a way to dig into your possible tenant without breaking any HUD violations because they put it out there for the world to see. Exactly. That's exactly how I do. And... <laughs> There was this it, girl this that is, had a selfie and you could see the mess behind her in the bed, piles of clothing. And her application wasn't that bad. You know, she looked okay. But once I looked at Facebook, I was like, no way. You know, that's how mm -hmm. she's treating her space. I don't want my apartment to look like that. And, uh, you know, HUD, HUD, by, HUD rules say that you have to ex uh, extend the application to everyone you have to then do first come first serve so you can't pick and choose a tenant because you like them better because then that's a discrimination but through um marketplace you have the ability to slow pedal that and to maneuver that as best suits you without breaking any laws and without being discriminating and it's, it's just a tool. It's just another tool. Where Will a property management company do that when they're trying to lease 100 units? Probably not. If you're a single owner manager of 20 units or under, that's how you do it. That's how I do it with my personal properties. And then I go back and I check to see what they post on their Facebook page. I friend them. I check to see what's on their Facebook page to see if they're throwing any kegger parties in the backyard and who's trying to jump off of the roof or anything stupid like that I, and I I found some interesting things uh, happening at my house that was not uh, 
owner approved. But uh, for marketing, it's even uh, things if you're near college and you're looking to attract college students, you can post on the, the college, the local college will have a student center and you can post your, your rooms there, your tenants there. You can say um, open for summer rentals only because there's some like with us here in the university area, come May, it's a mass exodus out. So we're always looking to generate rents and some of the tenants leave, but they still have a lease and they try to sublet. So we don't allow subletting. So when you get on the college Facebook pages, or if you get on the college um, wall that, that posts a bulletin board wall, then you can see who's trying to sublet one of the apartments that they're not supposed to. And you can see what is available in the area that is your local competition. Absolutely. Yeah. You can look in Facebook also for your competition. Exactly. What, what they are offering. You can see the pictures and it's all free. So why not? It's all free. Yeah, way back when we used to use Craigslist. And you can still use Craigslist, but it's not as um, uh, results-oriented as it once was. Um, some, some of your older people will go on to Craigslist, but the younger generation will do um, Marketplace and, and Instagram. You can, you can do Instagram stories about your property rentals. It's not, oh. as, it's not as easy, but you can, you can still do it. Wow, amazing. Um, Another thing that a management company, you need to understand what the management company is doing is what is their screening process. You need to establish early on what is your criteria for renting units. Are you asking for three times the rent as a gross salary? Are you asking for three times the rent on top of the salary? Are you allowing all of the rent from all of the renters to be combined? Uh, what do you allow as criminal backgrounds? What do you allow as a um, uh, economic background? So if you've got someone who's been in collections, but they were in collections because of a, a, a medical emergency that they're still trying to pay off, would you allow that or would you not? What kind of score? Oftentimes property management companies will just run it no matter who it is. They're going to run it through a, a credit score, a credit app. And then, oh, it came back good enough, we're going to let them in. Or it came back, oh, they got a very low score, they're out. Well, did you look to see why? why? Why did they do this? And oftentimes you can vet a tenant before you even occur the cost of a credit screening. Did, did you verify their job? Did you verify their last um, place of employment? Did you verify th their income? Who else is living with them? If you can verify all of these things for free without immediately sending it to a, a credit company that's going to charge you money, then you'll save a lot of, um, a lot of heartache and a lot right. of cost. And, and they, can be, they can, first of all, ask the questions, right? You, you can ask them like if, if their salary will be three times the rent, let's say, and they can say yes or no. But then if they say no, then why even go through the application process? Exactly. You know, do you have another form of income? Do you have uh, a roommate that is with you? It's really hard when you have a roommate situation because then if they could only qualify if both of them were there, if something happens with one of the roommates, then you have to put both of them on the lease and they're both tied to it. And then it, if you're dealing with a younger crowd, that sometimes ends up being chaos. But it, 
I've seen it work. I've seen it work. But yes, you have to take the steps before you occur a cost to qualify your tenants. Absolutely. That's such a good advice because you don't want to have, you know, five different credit reports charges to fill one, you know, one apartment. Exactly. So, um, you can ask this question. It, it, you're never going to get a straight answer. Uh, I can almost guarantee it, but you can ask, what is your average time frame of vacant units? How long does it take you to fill a unit? And all of them are going to say, oh, we get it done in five or six days. That's what everybody says. We can get, we can get that unit filled within one week. Do a little research and see really what, what their tenancy is. If, if you can rent a unit in one day, typically it's because your rents are too low. You're going to work a little bit. Your property should never be 100% occupied with 100% collections. That means that you're losing money. You're leaving money on the table. You need to raise your rents a little bit and you got to work a little bit for it. And but what about showing the apartment before the, the people left the apartment? And then you can do that. So you, you can definitely have that in your lease that, um, uh, you know, you have to give me the, the lease we have is they have to give us 60 days notice. Mm -hmm. and 60 days notice whether they're staying or going. If they're going, we have the right at 45 days to start showing the property with notice. So we will tell them we are showing your unit from this time to this time on this day and this day. And it, it sometimes is uh, difficult because you go in and they don't care. So they didn't clean and they didn't pick up and they've got a mess everywhere. But it, it, goes back to your leasing agent. How good of a salesman are they? Can they, can they sell it even though it's not perfect rent ready? You never want to have it rent ready and then you start to show because then you've lost too much time. Right. You, you, have, to, you have to show pictures. This is what it was. This is what it can be. Come take a look at it so that you see that I'm not just selling you a shell that there is an actual apartment here and then don't worry when they move out we're going to make it perfect for you we're going to make sure it's clean and painted and just the way you want it and then the tenant feels like it's something special for them you're doing something special for them but um uh, we do it starting 45 days before they actually move out absolutely i i also have the same uh 60 days but and you know, I tell them that I can show in 60 days, but I really start showing 30 days before. I think 30 days is enough for me to, to rent it for the most part. Um, but yes, take pictures after you get it ready for the tenant, you know, right before you give it to somebody else, take pictures because then you can show those pictures to the next person because now you have it all nice and pretty clean, empty. Exactly. So that's part of your marketing. And then that's also part of your tenant file. So when you take a picture of the entire unit, then that stays with that tenant. So if there's ever any damage, you, you have your, your move-in report that they signed saying that everything was fine and they love it and they're so excited. And then you have all of the pictures to back it up. So when they move out, you can come back and say, no, this hole wasn't there. This carpet wasn't like this. You have the ability with the, the picture proof to demonstrate that it was under their uh, tenancy that this damage occurred which is, it's very hard to prove damages in eviction court 
but if you have the pictures to demonstrate it, it's that much easier. Absolutely. And let me, there is a debate on doing first, last, and security, you know, to move in, or uh, first month and double security. What do you do? So it, it depends on the tenant. If the tenant is um, strong and good rental history, then it's, it's purely just the, the application fee, the security deposit, and the first month's rent. If the tenant is just starting out, they don't have established credit, they have something on their credit that's a little iffy, then I do double deposit. I don't like doing first and last. And also, my deposit is the same as my rent. Mm -hmm. So if you're renting a $950 apartment, then you're paying a $950 deposit. I do not agree, and this should be banned forever, the $99 move-in special. All you get with a $99 move-in special is the person who could only pay the $99. Mm -hmm. that if you've got somebody who is a valued tenant, they're not waiting until something goes on sale. They're going to move where they feel is best for them. So, no. But, um, so I don't, why do you like the double deposit versus first and last? Because immediately when you tell them first and last, they think they don't have to pay, they don't have to pay the rent. Because a security deposit is held in escrow as a deposit. It is not your rent. You are still responsible for paying that last month's rent. Mm -hmm. So if I have it completely segregated and said that this is a deposit, then there's initiative, then there's a, a, a way to, to carrot it over them that they want to give me the full notice, that they want to tell me that they're moving out, that they're not destroying it, that they're going to follow the community rules. It's an enticement to follow the rules and the lease as laid out. A double, a first and last month's rent, they're like, yeah, whatever. I don't have to pay last month's rent. I can leave when I want. I can trash it when I want. And there's nothing they're going to do against me. Oh, no, but I do first, last, and security. Oh. So other people do first and double deposit. It, that would only be if it's truly a, a troubled tenant that you want to take a risk on. Right. You, you should never have to gather three months rent on a 12-month lease to feel secure about a tenant. You, you, need, to, you need to screen them a little better then. Right. Now, well, hey. The way I think about it is, um, and, you know, some people don't want to do it, but I tell them, listen, you know, when you move out that last month, you don't have to pay it. So you're going to have that money to put it to the next apartment. So you come up with the money right now, your last month is paid, that last month, that money, you just pay your next apartment and then your deposit will be uh, good and returned if the apartment is returned in good condition. And, you know, once I put it that way, they, they kind of agree with it. And it has helped me a lot when people just decide to move out and I, mm -hmm. I still have money for the last month. So they are not going to just leave and leave me hanging. And then I have... Um, the security so they have like two months that are at risk for them yeah so but you know there's many ways to do it and that's why you know i have you here and and i love to hear that your your argument i agree um maybe you shouldn't do that and you you need to screen them better it, it depends on what works for you truly and what 
what size apartment community, what you're trying to do. The man that I worked for that had the 7,000 units, his heart was finding good, clean, safe place to live for the working poor, for the people who are making 10, 12, $15 an hour. So they need a place to live too. So he wasn't looking to um, over renovate, to charge enormous rents, to have incredible overhead to where he couldn't give back. And so with that, we often had the people who struggled and they had to do a double deposit or they had to do um, a shorter term lease and uh, just to justify themselves, just to prove themselves. Um, another thing, all leases auto renew for the term of the lease so that you can capture those tenants. But that puts a burden on your leasing staff and on your management staff because if it's going to auto renew and it's a problem tenant, if you're not paying attention, you're stuck with them for another lease term. So, you, but that is how we, we capture uh, renewals and we don't have a huge turnover because at renewals cost you a lot of money. It's, uh, I can't remember the, the uh, specifics offhand, but it's, if you keep your tenant as opposed to constantly turning a unit, it's something like 20% profit is gained from that. Absolutely. I can you find have that. To paint, you have to like make it nice. You have to clean it because they never clean it the way you would clean it. For no. To move in. So definitely. I actually, I had that experience where um, I raised the rent and they decided to leave. And then I was like, oh, it cost me a month rent basically. So the increase really didn't, I didn't see it for a year because I spent mm -hmm. the money doing the turnover. Exactly. And when you have, um, a tenant that, so you have an asset, you've got your stove. Your stove is in there, it's five years old. All right, well, it's good for this tenant. It's probably going to carry over for a little bit longer, but they were hard on it, and now you got to buy a whole new stove. You've got to buy a whole new, whatever, refrigerator, something that could have lasted if the tenant stayed in there and they just maintained their level of support, but it won't work for a new tenant coming in. And so even capital items, and uh, which everyone expects to change. There's only a so much a seven year life expectancy on, on some capital and some appliances and that kind of thing. But if you've got a long-term tenant in there, you can let that sucker roll. I, I, we had people who had lived in their apartments 25 years and more with no improvements. I mean, these people could have bought a house, but they still had all of the original fixtures from 20 years ago. That's awesome. That's a, yeah. that's a great opportunity. Yeah, that is the best when you can keep your tenants and maybe do small increases to keep up, but you don't have to do the turnover. Exactly. So the loss to lease versus the capital improvement cost is more in your favor. So is it customary for a property management company to charge for a renewal? It depends. I've heard of it, yeah. I've heard of them charging... Um, uh, $50 a lease for a renewal. Yeah. And that's, uh, to me, that's like why I'm paying you to do the paperwork. I don't understand why, like I'm already paying you to manage it. Why am I paying you a fee? Now I would rather pay the $50 for a renewal versus new leases. I don't want to pay for new leases because then the management company is encouraged 
to get new leases. And then that leads to turnover, which leads to more cost. I would rather incentivize them to, to get a fee for renewals to keep the same existing tenants in place. Absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, they're going to be like, oh, the way to make some extra money is by leasing a new, to getting a new tenant in. And then, so I'm not going to renew. I'm not going to encourage them to stay. Exactly. I won't, I won't encourage them to stay by, look, I'll come in and I'll clean your carpets or I can change out this vanity or something, some small incentive for them to stay um, versus, oh no, well, since the, I only get paid if I get a new lease. So we're going to kick them out. We're now going to have to improve this unit. That's going to cost the owner's money, but that doesn't bother me any because now I get a, a new tenant with a higher rent. So that means I get more commission and I get a commission for getting in the new lease. There's no incentive. What you have to remember is a property management company is a company. It's a third party entity. They are concerned about how they can make money. They're not necessarily concerned how they can make you money. You know, they want to make sure that they can raise the rents so that they can get more of their commission because most often it's based on total um, gross rents. Mm -hmm. But they don't care what the overall cost of the property are. They're not going to be as cost conscious as you would as an owner. So you as an owner or you as the asset manager, that's your job. That is your job to oversee what the property management company is doing to make sure that they are giving you the best results for the least cost because they don't care. It's not their, their bottom line they're worrying about. So what would be a reasonable uh, report frequency that, that a, uh, an owner should expect from a property manager? And I'm assuming from zero to 100 units might be different than from 200 and up, for example. It's still the same. So um, every month you should have a closeout. And a closeout is done with, for us, it was done within the fifth day of the following month for reports provided to the ownership sometime between the 10th and the 15th, but as close to the 10th as possible. And these closeout reports give you a month end rent roll. So what did the property look like on the last day of the month? Um, how much had the property collected and what was the delinquency? How many new leases were acquired and how many renewals were required? What was the amount of traffic that came in and out and how was that traffic achieved and what were the results from it? So something like we had 62 people walk in and those 62 people heard from us from ABC marketing platforms. And because of that, we received 25 applications and 12 approved pending move-ins. So this, as a, this tells you as an owner, what it, what is their closing ratio and what, marketing platforms are, are best for your property. Um, you should have a, a, a trend. If, if your marketing company, I mean, if your property management company is also doing your P&Ls, so they're handling all of your local bills, then you need to have a month-end P&L and you need to have a month-end balance sheet showing where you are for, you know, expenses and and uh, any, any value, any uh, improvements that you've been making on the property. So that is everything that you should receive by the 10th of the month. 
for us, we had, um, what are your pre-leased units? So we knew how many people, so it may be something funky like the end of the month falls on a Tuesday. Okay, so you know most people are gonna move in over the weekend. You're not gonna get a lot of people starting a new lease on a Wednesday. That's very hard to do. So we wanna look to see, all right, so maybe they fell short on a Tuesday, but come Friday, when everybody gets paid, they have their final money and they can get their U-Haul truck, then we're gonna have, we're gonna make up that difference in three days. That makes a world of difference as opposed to, oh my God, what happened? You're this far short of the goal. You, you get a better picture. So mm -hmm. you get your, your, um, your upcoming move-ins and your, you know, your pending move-ins and that demonstrates where you are quickly. Um, so rent is due for us. Rent is due on the first. It's late on the second. You are subject to filing for eviction on the fifth. On day six, on the sixth of the month, uh, we have two options. We can either file an eviction or we can give a three-day notice. Depends on where the property is. Um, and so I want to report by the 10th of the month that says how much has been collected, how much is delinquent, and what evictions have been filed. I don't want to hear, oh, I have a promise to pay for the Friday. Or we talk to them and they're bringing in some of the rent now and some of the rent later. No. I want to know by the 10th of the month who has paid, who hasn't, and what you've done about it. How many three-day notices have been posted? <laughs> exactly. And by the 10th of the month, the three-day notice has already been posted. And so you should have the ability to go file evictions. You shouldn't just now be starting that. Right, because and, I was um, the entire month. Exactly. It's too easy. In Louisiana, it is fabulous. You can have somebody who didn't pay their rent, let, let's say for, for um, March. They didn't pay their rent. I was able to file the eviction and have them out of the apartment by the 15th of the month, and I can have that apartment released and ready to go You know, as long as it's, it's not an ugly thing where I have to get the sheriff to trash out the unit. Um, I, I can have somebody new in that apartment by the 20th of the month. And since they've now lost their security deposit, I have not lost any revenue because I've been able to turn the entire unit in the same month that somebody failed to pay. So it, check your local um, rules for your leases and see how you can best manipulate your leasing procedure and your, um, your lease verbiage so it suits you best. Expert tips. And now she's going to give us three tips on what to expect management team to do as soon as you take over a new a new asset. So the first thing a new management company should do is they are going to take the results of your lease audit. During your due diligence, you should have done a complete lease audit. And for me, now this is a little biased because this is the company I started. I don't agree with having the property management company that is going to take over the property do your complete due diligence because they are always going to slight the property in their favor because they want the job. So if you do have the management company that you intend to hire, do the due diligence. You need to 
trust but verify. You need to make sure that the information that they're giving you tracks and makes sense. And the first thing you do with that, for me, is the lease audit. You go through and you get what is reported on the rent roll versus what is in the actual lease. And you immediately address any problems because you're going to have um, a long-term tenant who has, who's a loss to lease. You're going to have somebody who is just thrown in by the owner to try to boost occupancy and they're a problem tenant. They, they, they don't really qualify. They're, they're difficult. They shouldn't be there. Uh, you're going to have the tenants who uh, every month they've got a late fee. So you need to identify who your problem children are when you go in so you know how best to handle it. And you need to start a new lease, have every tenant sign a new lease under your ownership name because you now have the contract with them. A lease is a contract. And so the contract is no longer with the former owner. The contract is with you as the owner. So the property management team, they have got to get in and write a new lease for every person. And this gives the opportunity for the ownership and the management team to meet the people on the property and to do their own unit walkthroughs, to get their own idea of what each place looks like. The second thing that the, um, the management company needs to do is you need to get a hold of your collections because cash is king. You cannot operate your property if you, um, sorry, got a phone call. You, um, you cannot operate your property if you don't have the money to do so. And so, um, who ha who has fallen behind on collections? Who has got a promise to pay? Who is just fallen through the cracks? I know from experience that when a property is selling, that the on-site staff knows that their days are numbered and they just don't care. So you've got to follow up and see where you are and start with the new sheriff in town. This is where you need to go. And then the, the third thing you need to do is you need to walk the property. You need to see from new eyes, not, ooh, shiny new, I may be buying a new property, but from, oh my God, this is my baby. What do I need to do to fix it? new eyes and walk it with your property management team. How are they going to assist with things that are maintenance issues that is not part of your, your improvement budget. It's not part of your CapEx budget. It's a maintenance issue that needs to be addressed and come up with a plan of action on how they're going to get that done and what amount of money it truly will, will cost and then hold them accountable for a time timeline and a budget. So top three things, verify the leases and know your occupancy, know where your money is. If you've got any that's late, if you've got any that's missing, walk your property with your units, make a maintenance and uh, oversight plan with your property management staff. Excellent advice. Thank you so much, Sandra. So where can people find you online or anywhere? So um, I'm on Facebook. Um, so you know, Sandra Beninade. I also have a website. It's strategic. Uh, the, the company is strategic property consulting. The website is strategic prop P R O P consult C O N S U L T.com. Um, it has a Facebook page as well. I'm just not as good as getting it as popular as it needs to be. And, uh, yeah, we can, uh, put out whatever phone numbers or whatever email information um, available for contact any way you need me. 
Awesome. So I'm going to put on the, on the show notes your contact info and everybody please go to her web, uh, Facebook page and give her a like. Let's get that Facebook page going. I appreciate that. All right, Sandra. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here and adding so much value. I feel like we have to do it again because it's just so much more that we could be talking about. It's, it's hard. There's a lot involved. There is definitely a lot involved. It's hard to uh, grasp all of it when I'm, I'm throwing 50 things at you at one time to try to remember that you should uh, encourage your management company to do or you should do as a owner manager. I get Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was Deal Closers with Annette Talee, brought to you by Talee Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.taleeinvestments.com where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.